Welcome to the Youth Ministry Misfits podcast. We are for the misfits, those who don't fit in at school, those who don't fit in at church, those who feel they don't fit in anywhere. We are misfits, we are called to be misfits, and we are called to be for the misfits. Welcome to episode 12 of Youth Ministry Misfits. My name is Tim and I'm the host of this podcast. Recently, I've been thinking about, um, well, I was thinking about a particular uh, song that some churches were singing in their worship services, probably, you know, it was probably popular about five, six years ago from All Sons and Daughters called All the Poor and Powerless, hence why I've named this podcast after the same name. Um, And I was just thinking about it, kind of humming it to myself and um, um, it made me think, I wonder if we've really thought about the lyrics of this song. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, I'm not going to sing it on the podcast, sorry. That's for another podcast another time, <laughs> or maybe not. Um, but the lyrics go something along the lines of, All the poor and powerless, and all the lost and lonely, and all the thieves will come confess and know that you are holy. Then a later verse says, and all the hearts who are content and all who feel unworthy and all who hurt with nothing left will know that you are holy. I thought about this verse because I was thinking, sorry, this uh, song, because I was thinking, well, I really wonder um, whether that's actually already, hmm, how do I say that, already happening? Because I I know that there's, there's, there's an aspect to the song that is talking about a proposed future idea that in the future in in heaven for example that's when everyone will 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 know that god is holy will know that he is holy um but i began to wonder about um well should we just wait till then or are we going to um kind of be the kind of body of christ be the kind of church be the kind of ministry that causes all the poor and all the powerless to know that God is holy, to 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 shout hallelujah, as the, the song says in the chorus. Do our programs cause people to praise God or do they cause people to feel excluded? Do they cause people to feel judged? Or on the other hand, do they cause them to praise us? Um it, its motivation is important here, but what I really wanted to kind of focus on thinking about this song and thinking about my last podcast was who are the poor, who are the powerless, and who are the lost and lonely? Will our programs cause them to sing out or to feel rejected? So in uh, one of the classes that I teach um, at Tabor College, we talk about um, this idea of there being structures in society that um, give people a privileged position or a less privileged position. And those structures we're talking about, um, that I'm talking about rather, we we use the acronym CAGES. So we say that um, five of the things that, uh, ways that society can be divided up, five of the ways that people can have status or be privileged are class, age, gender, ethnicity, and sexuality. Um, I could go into depth with all of these, uh, but I really wanted this, the last podcast of the year, by the way, um, to be a shorter one. 
Um, so when we talk about class, let's start there. Class, you know, lots of sociologists talk about how to define class. Is it only a financial thing like who has money and who doesn't? Or there is, a, is there something actually a bit more to this? Is it actually, a, is there, um, are we divided up in a society by status, like your cultural class, your cultural capital, your your social status? I mean, usually, unfortunately, people who are of a lower economic status are often lower of a social status. So one of the sociologists, his name is um, Pierre Bordeaux, he refers to this idea of habitus, um, not habitats. And yes, I'm pronouncing it right, habitus. Um, so habitus refers to this idea that uh, within society, there's these learned things that, that, that we, we know about how to navigate the world and how, what's good behavior and what's not good behavior. And a uh, way I like to explain it, which I uh, learned from Dr. Kirsten Makaitis, one of my colleagues who I featured a few weeks ago on this podcast, um, was that when we learn to drive a car, at first it's really hard and we're awkward and we're, we're trying to get used to it and trying to remember when to change gears and um, how soon to slow down and how hard to turn and those kind of things. But eventually it becomes so second nature that we don't even think about it. So think of habitus as being like that, but the way that we navigate society and systems in society, such as um, such as um, organizations, schools, churches, um, how to navigate those relationships. So for those of us who have grown up in a church, we have a lot of habitus about how to navigate the church environment. For those of us who've grown up in a middle-class environment, we have a lot of habitus about how to navigate um, work, employment, um, education, um, uh, businesses in general, bureaucracies. We have habitus in how to um, navigate those systems because it's been an important part of our upbringing. Um, And we've got to consider that people who may be from a different socioeconomic class or who are from a different environment may not have that habitus. Not because they are lacking or they are less or how that somehow makes them less human, but what it means is their habitus is different. They've learned how to navigate the streets. They've learned how to navigate um, living on barely anything. They've learned how to navigate social social situations with anger, with violence, um, as I talked about in my previous episode. So this is not to, to talk about them as if they are less because they are in a socio, lower socioeconomic status. They are not lesser people. I just want to make that clear. What it is saying is that they have learned to navigate situations differently. And people who haven't grown up in the church haven't learned the habitus in the church. They might walk in and not know how to relate to people. What do I do here? How do I talk to people? How do I introduce myself? Where do I go? Where do I sit? Where do I stand? Um, when do I stand? And um, and then, um, you know, we have invite young people into youth groups, expecting they'll just know what to do. But um, they may not, especially if they're walking into a church environment. 
so then that's that's C for class, and we've talked about um, how uh, that involves social class as well as financial class. I'll just add that it is important to note that um, people who are of a low socioeconomic status, status often have less power in society and often feel or struggle with more with things like um, being engaged with, with crime, like they get picked up by the police much more often, um, being excluded from certain parts of society, being excluded from, um, like one article I read today was about how uh, young people who are from lower socioeconomic uh, families find it more difficult to get a license because, well, maybe their parents can't afford a car. Uh, maybe they can't afford to send them off for driving lessons. So how do they get their 50 hours? Uh, that's just an example. I digress. So that's C, class. And then A, age. So we're talking here about how young people are, are more excluded from society than other people in society. They are not allowed to vote. They're not allowed, they are forced to go to school, they're not allowed to work until a certain age, they're not allowed to drink alcohol, not allowed to drive. Um, and I was chatting with a, col a colleague, I guess you could say he's a colleague, he works at a different institution yesterday about how um, you go out to a farm in a regional area and you'll find 10 year olds who can drive better than some adults on the road. Um, just an example there of how the age limit is arbitrary. Someone decided that 18 makes someone an adult without any evidence or any research. They just said, yeah, we'll just pick 18. That sounds good, hey? Excluding a whole bunch of young people from being able to fully participate in society and have ownership over their lives. Then we've got G, gender. So we look at how certain environments exclude women. Certain environments are maybe not uh, obviously exclusive, but are clearly designed more for men than women. You think about different workplaces that are more, more uh, male-oriented and male-dominated. They have a very different way of relating to one another. There's more... Uh, more uh, there's um, things that I'm trying to think how to say this more things that could be deemed as um, sexual harassment in those environments. Um, we've got uh, sport in the sporting environments. Uh, it's a man's world, even though there are more and more, there are women's sports like the women's AFL um, uh, league. However, generally it is uh, a man's thing to do sport and, that kind of spreads out beyond there, that um, that it's a manly thing to be aggressive and physical and therefore women must be quiet and submissive and, you know, um, only engage in certain things because that's deemed as what women are supposed to do. Then we've got ethnicity. Um, this is one I really would love to talk more in detail about later in another podcast hopefully next year. So I won't go into that into too much detail, but it is true. Certain environments are suited more for white people than they are anyone else. And um, uh, it seems that it's more welcoming for white people than anyone else. And same with sexuality, which is a topic that can be covered at a later time. So um, when we're talking about who are the, who are the powerless, well, there's quite a lot. 
there's quite a number who are completely powerless by the way that um, our society is designed and are disempowered by their class, their age, their gender, their ethnicity, or their sexuality. And so when they walk into a church, they may not feel like they belong. Um, And it may not because we say that they don't belong. It may not be because of us saying, you know, it's, (laughs) I would hope that it never happens that churches would say only upper middle class um, 16 year old men who are white and straight are welcome here. Um, And even though we may not specifically say that um, overtly, often there's things in the way that we act that make that seem like that's the case. Um, So, um, an example when I think of people who are of a low socioeconomic status is um, the way that we design programs. For example, when we have um, youth group, sometimes there's a charge, there's a bit of a cost, or we do camps, and camps are expensive. Um, and you imagine someone who's who's from a family who's struggling to put food on the table, and they come home with a... a camp flyer saying that it's going to cost them hundreds of dollars and on this camp is where majority of those deepening of relationships and um, those really important experiences happen that bring that sense of belonging and togetherness in a youth group and among young people and by making it so expensive and by passing that cost on to the young people we've excluded young people who cannot afford that from fully belonging in our youth ministry. So our response should be to really consider when we plan things, when we program things, to, to consider that young there are young people who can't afford these things. And instead of putting the onus of the young person to come and tell us that they can't afford it and that's why they're not coming, which is incredibly shaming, incredibly embarrassing, perhaps we should actually... Um, design the program so that it is already accessible for these people. The other added layer is what I was talking about, habitus. Um, the, the things that are unsaid, the things that are much more subtle that make a person feel like they belong or they can fully participate or not. Um, so I think of, well, the clothing that young people might wear and how young people who are from a lower socioeconomic status might might feel when they walk in, oh, I don't have the right clothes or the right shoes or I don't smell right or I don't, um, I don't look right so I don't fit with these people because these are, you know, rich white folks. And here I am, a person who isn't rich and who doesn't have all the right things, I don't have all the latest technologies, so I don't feel like I belong with these people. Um then there's the added next layer of um, private schools. You know, we've got young people um, who come from the same school, like um, the youth ministry that I used to help out with, a bunch of them came from a particular private school. And so they all had all these friendships um, and experiences that other young people who were going to public schools and couldn't afford those experiences were excluded from. So those are pretty complicated issues because we can't just say, oh, only young people from this school can come 
and we can't just say you to our young people you have to dress um like you're poor like that just sounds ridiculous to impose that right however we can teach our young people about thinking about other people we can teach our young people to um about how to include people who are not as well off as them and how to include people who might be really different from them, not just in how they look, but also in how they act, their, um, how their habitus is, the way that they've learned to interact with other people. We can teach our young people to um, forget about their status, to let go of their status so that they can reach out to those who are, who are of a lower status but are not less human. We can design our programs so that they are accessible to people no matter what school they come from, no matter what extracurricular things they do, and create a sense of belonging for all young people. I'd be really curious to hear uh, from my listeners how you go about doing that. How do you make sure that people who are poor and powerless feel, feel included within your um, youth ministry? How do you make sure that um, the young people in your youth ministry are inclusive of each other? And how do you um, design your youth ministry so that it creates a place of belonging, no matter how rich or what class or what age or what gender or what ethnicity or what sexuality they are from? I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. As this is the last podcast and a short one, um, the last of the year, I'd like to wish those of you who celebrate Christmas a very happy Christmas, a safe and blessed um, celebration. And I will be back with you shortly in the new year. Um, There will be a fairly long break because I'm awaiting the the birth of my second child. And I definitely won't be posting any podcasts in that period. So until then, stay misfit. Thanks for listening to the Youth Ministry Misfits podcast. If you want to continue the conversation, join our Facebook group. It's called Youth Ministry Misfits. Join the group if you want to continue the conversation or if you want to stay tuned for any future youth ministry gatherings and training events for youth ministries. If listening to this podcast has made you want to know more about studying with Tabor, check us out at tabor.edu.au. We offer youth work, counselling, creative writing, leadership, ministry and more. Until next time, stay misfit.